We're looking at the subject of our inheritance this morning because of the text that we are in. But before we open the text, let's have a word of prayer. That's God's blessing on this time. Father, we do thank you for the promises that you have made to us. Thank you for your goodness to us. For your mercy, for your grace, for your care, for your love. Help us to understand these things and to be able to appropriate these things. You are so, so good to us. And I'm so thankful for that. Thank you for the, the knowledge, limited though it is, of the things you have done and are doing on our behalf. We thank you for your care. Ask your, your blessing upon this time this morning. I do pray that it will be the Lord Jesus who is exalted and lifted up and that our focus and our attention and our love and our allegiance and our service and our commitment will be to him that he will, he will reign supreme in our study this morning in our hearts and our lives. And I pray that will begin with me. I struggle with that too. And I pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Well, Paul has been expressing gratitude in this letter, the letter to the church at Colossae. Uh, he's thankful because of the fact that they have come to faith and that they are displaying love and service and commitment to the Savior and to each other. He's thankful for the young man, Epaphras, who is a beloved bond slave, faithful servant, who is the one who kind of began spreading, came to know the Lord and began to spread the gospel among friends in Colossae so that a church began to form. And uh, because of this, Paul says that uh, since the day we heard of your faith and your growth, we've not ceased to pray for you and pray that you'd be filled with the full knowledge of his will. Now that knowledge, which would be kind of contained in the area of spiritual wisdom and understanding and he's giving thanks to the Father. And he, he goes through, I don't know if you read prayers a lot. Uh, Erica was mentioning this morning about liturgical prayers. And I have a book on the Puritans that I read, or have read. I've read it from the pulpit, the prayers from the pulpit. But it's, it's instructive to read the prayers of the saints and to see the things that burden their heart. And in this letter here, Paul Praise for them, for their full knowledge, for wisdom and understanding, that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that they would bear good fruit, uh, that they would grow in their knowledge, that they would be strengthened uh, with power because the life and the ministry is stressful, and uh, that they would have perseverance and be long-suffering with each other, so on and so forth. And so he gets to verse 12, which is the verse we kind of landed on, and uh, I realized that we're moving kind of slow in that. But he gives, gives verse 12, he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And um, the word inheritance there carries with, and so you kind of want to know what it means. And so it has to do with obtaining something by lot, being allotted. If you remember in the Old Testament, the property that the children inherited on the 
of the South of Jordan was distributed by lots. And the, the dis distribution of the property that was made by lots was according to the tribes and according to their size and stuff. And uh, that that was that was a pretty effective way of doing it. And it was pretty permanent because they still contained, in fact, they're supposed to pair, pass that inheritance on to their, their offspring and stuff like that. And so this um, inheritance here is that which God has allotted. He says there um, in the text there that, uh, he, that he's qualified us to share in this inheritance or this allotment, which is given to the saints in light. And uh, the word share there carries with it also that which is apportioned, it's a real estate term, giving property and things of this nature. Uh, and so we we have been qualified by God to share in this inheritance. The word qualified um, in that text there it might sound like a strange word at first, um, but actually it just means that while we were not qualified because we were sinners and we were rebel, rebels and rebellious against the Lord that he has undertaken to fit us, maybe is a good way of putting it, fit us for that, that allotment, that portion that he has for us. And uh, so we want to look at that. I want to see that. And as we look at it, we looked last time we started talking about some of the things in the inheritance like the earth. And today we're going to look at the subject of eternal life. Uh, things that he has uh, proportioned for us that have been allotted in the scripture because it's nice to know what we have in store, what the Lord is, is holding for us, reserving for us, reserved for you in heaven. God is good to us. He's so merciful. He's so gracious. And he's very patient. And I'm very thankful for that because I try his patience I'm certain I try his patience a lot, and I and I don't mean to do that. Sometimes I guess I do. Sometimes I know I'm stepping over the line, and I I need to repent and uh, ask the Lord for mercy. Uh, and I'm very thankful that He extends mercy to me because uh, if He gave me what I deserved, I would be dead. I would be a grease pot. And the same is with you. We are rebels, and uh, He is merciful. So we look at this. We looked last time at this. First of all, the the earth, Matthew 5, 5, we talked about it. I'm not going to belabor this. Um, it says, we shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the lowly, for they shall inherit or receive by allotment the earth. Hebrews 9, 15 says that uh, this is an eternal inheritance that we have. And so this, this is um, part of what God is going to give to us. Um, Revelation 5 says that the people that God has purchased, which would be us, with his own blood, um, the people that God has purchased from every tribe, tongue, and nation, he's made to be a kingdom. Not only a kingdom, but a kingdom and priest uh, to God. What a privilege that is, by the way that we are a kingdom, which means that there has to be a king, and that's part of the inheritance. We'll look at that a little bit later. That's part of the inheritance is that realm where individuals are under the control of the king. 
and we are under his control. And so we are a kingdom of, and priests to our God, and these will reign upon the earth. Reign means to have position of authority, to govern to some degree, and we will have that on this earth. Remember that uh, when you turn to Revelation and you find God creating creatures in Revelation, a lot of times they are sort of interesting in their description. Maybe you might even think gory if you talk about creatures that have full of eyes, that have six wings. Um, they have some of them described with different looking types of heads and faces and stuff. <clears throat> but that's not intended, I don't think, to, to confuse us with silliness. I think John is writing what he saw, what he actually saw. And remember in the Bible that there is a there is a physical realm and there's a spiritual realm. And the spiritual realm, which is bigger than what we have here in this physical realm, the, the we think of the ultimate, in fact, if you study science and they try to talk about the origin of things, they think of everything as, as the universe is the ultimate place and that God is in the universe and creation is in the universe and stuff like that. But that's 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 inaccurate. The universe is a, is the creation of God, but there is more outside. There's the spiritual realm that uh, he controls. And time is measured outside of that as being eternal. And he talks about epochs and things of this nature. Inside, he uses the words like years and weeks and months and days and hours and stuff like that. But this idea of God creating the earth and reigning on the earth if you see these creatures that we're talking about in Revelation, they are, they are creatures that have ability to walk around and stand, and they have ability to, so on, to fly and do other things. And that's the way God has created them. He never creates something without giving it the equipment that it needs to survive. And we have feet and hands. Jesus came into the earth, and he was given a body just like we have. And we function in this body. And one of the things that's going to happen with the creatures and with us is that we are going to be on this earth. And this first, first earth, we know this earth is going to be destroyed. The heavens will be destroyed with the heat. And the Lord is going to create a new heavens, a new earth. Um, several passages talk about that. And I don't want to belabor it because I want to get into the next section. But Second Peter talks about that that the earth will pass away with the roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be found out. That's out of first, second Peter 3, 10. Uh, since all these things, Peter argues, will be destroyed, and this is everything around us in it, all these things will be destroyed in this way. What sort of people are you to be, ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness of everything that we hold on here and this would include the toys that i hold on to so tightly and the things that uh, the the prizes the lust the things that value i place value in that i want that mean so little in reality these things are all going to be destroyed and so what kind of people should we be in the light of that when those things are gone when we use the illustration when we were kids, sometimes we're playing a Monopoly game and we get involved in that game and really excited 
about buying property and spending money and stuff like that until supper time and then mother would come and say okay let's put it away and we take all that stuff that meant so much to us and put it back in the box and put it away and that's the way it's going to be that these things that mean so much to us that's so valuable are going to be just boxed up and put away and and how we handle those things for the Lord is going to matter. It's going to make a big difference. And we, we're, we, that's, that's really important. So what we're saying is these things are going to be destroyed. Um, we want to be looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens burn, burning with, uh, burning will be destroyed. The elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for, and that word looking doesn't just mean looking but it means anticipating and encouraging and preparing for just like we prepare for that storm that's coming looking for and hastening uh, the new heavens and the new earth in which draws righteousness so this world is going to pass away there is a new world new earth we're going to be in the new heavens a new earth the first heavens and the first earth have passed away uh, and one more thing that's really neat in there that i I think about, and I thank R.C. Sproul for sharing this. He talks about the fact that the tabernacle of God is going to be among men. That means the dwelling place of God in the new heavens is going to be among men. And he will dwell among them so that he's here. Dwell. Um, I can remember as a boy, I had an uncle that really enjoyed fun uh, Scofield. And he used to come, and whenever he came, he always, he was a photographer, he'd always come with some slides and pictures about his trips. And we, and it was a lot of fun to be with. I always really enjoyed his coming, but he never stayed very long. He would come, and he would spend for a little while, and then he would, next thing I know, he was gone, and because he had a lot of stuff to do. And I always looked forward to that and didn't like to see him leaving. But here is the Lord, and he's going to be here, and he's going to dwell. He's not leaving. He's not coming and walking away. He's going to dwell dwell among them, and he says that they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I remember R.C. Sproul telling, sharing, I, he didn't tell me, but he was sharing about that. He said when he was a kid playing around with the other friends in Philadelphia, that one sometimes uh, they would tease him or whatever, and he would come running home crying because they would make fun of him and stuff. And he'd come running to the house, and his, his mother would come over and try to console him. And she would uh, take her apron, and she would wipe his face and wipe the dirt off and wipe the tears out of his eyes. And he said, that is about the most intimate contact you can have with somebody like that. For them to get right down in your face and get that apron and wipe those tears out of your eyes like that. And he said, that's, God says he's going to do that to us. That's an intimate, intimate consolation that God has with his people to wipe away the tears from their eyes. And that's what he says. Now, there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things, it says passed away, it means they've departed uh, and it carries with it the idea they departed to the place that God has established. The first things have passed away. They've gone away. And the new has come. So that's, that's part of the inheritance that God has for us, is that new inheritance. The second, the new earth. The second thing is eternal life. And that's, 
And these, are, as I go through the scripture and looking for the things that we inherit, these are the lists of, they're not in any, they're in the order in which I received them in the scriptures. Um, the idea of eternal life uh, comes out of Matthew 19, when Peter uh, is talking to the Lord and he says, Lord, we've left everything and we followed you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to him, truly I say to you that you who have followed me in the regeneration, that is the period of restoration when we reign with Christ, you who followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne or the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake will receive 100 times as much and will inherit or be allotted eternal life. That's interesting. Uh, he talks about this um, life that we inherit or that is inherited and it's not, we. We think of it, and I've heard Pete mention that in his right, it's not just speaking of the duration of life. In this physical realm, we think of life as uh, that opposite almost of death. Uh, but outside of that, in the heavenly realm, the spiritual realm, it is the life of God. And it is really much more significant than just the duration. It's, it's having the... The, the purpose, the hope, uh, the availability, the reality of the living God in you and with you. And it's, it's uh, more, more than just duration, it's quality of existence and quality of knowledge and quality of relationship. And uh, it, it's not subject to decay. It's not subject to the whims that we see here. It's, it's beyond that. And he says here that you inherit this, this eternal life. They, uh, there were, in three of the four Gospels, there is an account of this. We call it the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus. And uh, he's, he's most likely a religious ruler. He's called ruler, uh, probably ruler of the synagogue. It's exactly the same word that's used of Jairus. Who came to Jesus? He's called a ruler of the synagogue, and it's the same word. And it's 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 okay. We're not told if he's with the synagogue. It could be another kind of ruler, but that's okay. It seems to be a religious man, this rich young ruler who comes to Jesus, and uh, he he equates he equates eternal life with with being with the Lord, being um, available, uh, having Him, a Lord, available to us. Like almost like going to heaven in a way. He equates that and he asked the Lord, um, he asked him in Mark 10, 17, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He asked him in Luke 18, 18, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He says in Matthew 19, 16, uh, teacher, what shall I do that I may have eternal life? And so he's asking about that. And of course, you know, Jesus tells him to, to sell everything he has, give it to the poor. And then you'll have treasure in heaven. And then the man says, well, uh, what else do I need to do? And he says, well, then you come and follow me. And uh, so he gives him a pretty good answer there. But he, what I want you to see is that he is, he is equating eternal life with being with the Lord, with being in his kingdom, being uh, associated with him, 
eternally, throughout eternity. <coughs> eternity is something that is outside this physical realm. Nothing in this physical realm is eternal. It's only what's outside. Everything in the physical realm is decaying, change and decay all around I see. But thou who changes not abide with me. That's from the song, abide with me. And uh, we, we know that things here, uh, in our, we, we decay, we die, and but when we step into that eternal realm, we have eternal life, we will be with the Lord, and we'll be with him forever. And we, we don't change then. We won't be decaying. You see what I'm saying? Do you understand that? That's a good thing. And that, that's, a, that's a wonderful promise that we have. Um, Jesus said in the passage, uh, you're familiar with John, we read John 3, 16 earlier, where it talks about Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believes in him will have eternal life. Whoever believes in him, we unfortunately use the same word for belief in Jesus that we would use for believing in Santa Claus or something like that. But this is a lot more significant. This is believing in and hoping in and trusting in him. Whoever puts their trust in him and faith in him and, and relies on him will have eternal life. And this is interesting because uh, this this quality of life, this quality of existence, which which transcends the, the tick of the clock and actually affects our lives and stuff, is generated. Um, and John's, John uh, chapter 6 tells us um, that in, in John were not he was not catering to what they wanted and they got you are you getting tired of this is this going over your head you're getting bored and i'm talking about myself and uh peter says lord to whom shall we go because you literally you and you alone have the words <coughs> of eternal life what does it mean to have the words of eternal life, words that generate life, words that transform. Jesus told the disciples uh, in the prayer of John 17, he said, I've given them thy word, and the result is the world has hated them. It's transformed them. It's made them different. God's word has that power to do that. It has the power to really change your heart and your life. In the first missionary journey, um, Jesus, uh, Paul, and, and Barnabas were, were going around and sharing the gospel. And it makes a statement in Acts 13, 48, that when the Gentiles heard the message that he was giving, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. So you have things working together to secure eternal life for us, his people, as part of our inheritance. Part of it is the power of his word, the communication of his word. And the second thing is, not only does that work in void, but that's working in 
conjunction with God's appointment that he has chosen. And we know that. We know that he has chosen us. If we belong to him, he has chosen us. He's written our name down in the book. He didn't make a mistake. It's not going to be erased. He knows what he's doing. You say, well, I don't understand that. That's hard to understand, but it's true. And he's put us, put us down. And so he's secured us. And that's what he says. Many as have been appointed to eternal life, believe, embrace in him. And so this is, this is, um, this is a good thing that God has promised to us. This eternal life. Um, having been, Paul says in Romans 6, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God. We were slaves to sin. God freed us from sin, and now we become slaves to God. You have been, you have your benefit leading to sanctification, to growth, and the end of this process is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gracious, merciful gift of God is eternal life. And that's through Jesus Christ. Titus tells us that this eternal life is the life that has been promised to us. He words it like that. He says, God's elect and the full knowledge of the truth, which is according uh, or in harmonizing in harmony with God's with godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, has promised from all eternity. And so we have this this special life of God in us that part of the inheritance that he has secured for us. We have it through his word. We have it because it's been allotted to us. We have it because we believe and we put our faith and trust in him. That's a wonderful, that's a wonderful inheritance. That's a wonderful thing that he has promised to us. That's a good thing to tell and to read about if you're on your deathbed. I remember standing beside Elaine's bed and holding her hand and looking at and praying, really just asking the Lord. I was asking the Lord to not to let her suffer. She didn't seem to be suffering, but I was asking the Lord not to let her suffer. And if it's, if it's not his will to save her, to take her home and to prevent her from that. We were having to go out to California. And we wanted, I wanted her to, if she was going to pass, and she was, she was dying, that, that I would like to have been there with her when she breathed her last. But we weren't. We were in the air flying out to California when the, the Lord came into that room and took her to himself. But we have that promise. We have that hope. Eternal life, not just the life of life, but the life of God in us, the, the hope, the result of his truth working in us that separates us from the world and makes us like, like the Lord. So that's part of the promise. The next thing, but I'm not going to look at it this morning, is the kingdom, that rule where the Lord uh, rules over people. He is the king. You have to have a king in order to have a kingdom. He is the king, and we are his subjects. We're very, very blessed with that. I smile about that because I have a, uh, uh, there's a girl there at, at uh, Lowe's who teases me a lot. And, and uh, she says, I'm not her, I'm not her worker, I'm her subject. So <laughs> anyway, let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, your goodness to us. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. And, um, the things that you have done and undertaken for us. You have bothered to secure uh, an inheritance which has been allotted to us and uh, we don't understand all of it. Help us to be able to put these things, kind of solidify them in our minds and hearts so we can appreciate a little bit about the greatness 
of what you have in store for us. Lord, you're so good to us. I really am so appreciative of you and what you've done, especially in the light of, of my casual approach to so much that you've done. And I thank you. I thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for this church, what you're doing here. I know that we are at a time in history where things are really beginning to go crazy. I mean, really, just really crazy. And yet uh, we're here and we have answers. And so I pray that you'll help us to be faithful, uh, faithful to follow you, faithful to obey you, faithful to put you first, faithful to turn our affections from the things around us, from the people around us, from the world, the toys, the lust, the treasures, the values <coughs> that don't matter, and deny ourselves, as Scripture says, um, and take up. If man wants to come after you, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow you. That's the word. So help us to do that. Help us to do that willingly and joyfully, because we know that you are so much better than all these toys. Thank you for this time. Bless it. This uh, this day, we pray for the. Communion tonight. Ask your blessing upon it. And we pray in Jesus' name. Thanksgiving. Amen.